Hey everybody, Thomas here to give you a quick update from iCast Fireball. I say I'm giving you all an update, but I mainly just want to give a big ol' thank you to everyone that has been following along and listening to our show. Over this past month, you all have surprised us and helped us get over 1,200 downloads for the month of January. This was by far the most downloads we've ever had up to this point and is quite literally thanks to all of you. There is a lot of excitement over here at ICF as a result of this, and it's caused us to dream bigger than we ever dared dream. At our core, the cast of ICF are all storytellers, and there are more stories that we'd like to share beyond this campaign. But of course, more stories means more work, and we're already pushing Mickey hard enough with the editing. Like many of our own favorite podcasts, we've been considering launching a Patreon account, which would give us the juice we need to provide more content for our wonderful fans. But before we jump in headfirst, we'd like to see if there's enough interest to justify taking this big step. So, for the next two months, we will be taking a poll that will help drive and shape the future of iCast Fireball. Now you can participate in this poll in two different ways. The first way is to contribute to our Kofi account. Kofi is a free-to-use and feedless online donation service that allows you to tip creators directly without part of your donation being taken by the website itself. As I mentioned, we will mainly be using this as a poll, so even giving the minimum donation amount is a strong indicator to us on how much you would like new material from ICF and if starting a Patreon would be a viable next step for us. Our Kofi account will be in the episode description. The second way you can contribute is by reaching out to us at our email, icastfireball2020 at gmail.com, or tagging us on social media using the hashtag icastfireball. We would love to hear any suggestions you have or preferences of what stories you would like to see told. Again, this poll will take place over the next two months, so let us know what you think during that time to help us shape the future of iCast Fireball. As always, thank you for lending us your ear, and on with the show! Hello everybody and welcome to this week's episode of iCast Fireball, an actual play 5e D&D adventure where we go through the campaign, Tyranny of Dragons. I'm Thomas, your DM for this adventure, and around the table we have... Malamara. Lance Thalen. Fleeple. Mortarogunamin. And Brick. Excellent. So, last we left our band of adventurers, they were jaws deep in a battle with Renacor the Great. And that is actually where we're just going to join our adventurers right now. Not much to recap, because we're right in the middle of a battle. Now, mechanically, let's go ahead and just recap where everybody was at, all right? So, in the ballroom, we have Renacor, who's currently facing west, or facing towards Lance, dissipating his invisibility with a cone of magic. Brick was flanking directly opposite of Lance, flanking Renacor on the east side, with Fleeple on the north, currently begging and cowering to give everybody advantage, I believe, Ned, right? Correct. Awesome. Mal, after jumping past some animated suits of armor, where Vargan Quill said that he would take dispatch of them directly in the room... Uh, before the ballroom, she jumped up onto the stage and just blasted Renacor with this. Uh, what it was scorching gray, wasn't it? Yes. Okay, great. And lastly, Mortar, being targeted and singled out by Renacor the Great, was able to use their magic weapon, whip Renacor back down to ground level with everybody, and just wail into Renacor. The last thing to note is that the ballroom, for the most part, has this sticky goo that has seemingly encased the entire battlefield, making it difficult terrain, as this is the Beholder's Lair. So, mechanically, we're all caught up. Story-wise, we're all caught up. So now, we're going to go right to the top of the round, and Fleeple, you are first in the round here. Now, does your beg and cower feature only last until your next round? So it's until the end of the turn after I use it, uh, however, I do not benefit from the Grovel Cower and Beg myself, so it's just going to be on him. So the, the end of your turn. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, after this, we're going to have Lance. Well, we're going to have Lance or the Terrain go first. I'm going to roll on that. But then we're going to have Lance, and then Renacor is going to go. Well, Fleeple, you have Renacor directly next to you. You're flanking him with Mortar. Not that you've 
really ever used flanking before on an enemy before. <laughs> but what would you like to do with your action, bonus action, or movement? Yes, with my action, since his anti-magic coin is pointing left toward Lance away from me, I'm going to cast Polymorph on him. Whoa! Okay. What sort of a save is this? That is going to be a wisdom saving throw, DC of 16. Okay, he has a plus 7 to his wisdom, so... Well, Beholders don't have any legendary saves here, so we'll see what this dice roll is. Um, 16, you say? I'm just checking the math here as my his plus 7 to his wisdom save does not turn his 3 into a 16 or higher, so that he got a 10. So he's polymorphed! <laughs> yeah, yeah! Yes. But into what is the question? Oh my gosh! So he is going to transform into a pygmy three-toed sloth. The smallest sloth that is currently alive, to my understanding, ranges from a length of anywhere between 19 to 21 inches. And what's especially exciting about the pygmy three-toed sloth is the speed at which it moves, which is 0.15 miles per hour. (laughs) Yes! All right. Okay. Yeah, all right, DM. Yeah, all right. (laughs) Ned basically just did more than the slow spell could have with mm-hmm. polymorph. Yeah. You gotta choose your animals um, wisely. Don't just say a random turtle. You gotta be very specific with it. You oh, know Thomas true. too well and how he can manipulate things. <laughs> Alright. I've just checked and there's not a sloth stat in the player's handbook, but we're keeping this sloth. See you, Renacor, he just yelled out his threat. He's like gonna make and I'm going to make you all pay And then Fleeple goes over and touches him and And in his little hands, Fleeple's holding this delicate creature, this beautiful little pygmy sloth, who is in the middle of like reaching his hand out towards Lance very, very, very Slowly, And I imagine, like, his arm does extend out to Lance's chest, but it takes a full ten seconds. And I'm invisible now. <laughs> yep, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Okay, how long does Polymorph last? Polymorph is concentration is kind of the main thing to keep in mind here, but it lasts for... An hour, I believe. That is correct. Concentration up to an hour. Okay. And they don't make their saves if it's an enemy. It's just it, the concentration's the key here. Well done. So, the five minstrels that are still on the stage performing during this entire encounter, just this really chaotic Spaniard-inspired theme of, like, danger and uh, uh, some heavy guitars uh, doing some very tense riffs. All of a sudden, as soon as it... As soon as Renacor into the sloth one of their strings just breaks all five minstrels just at the same time <gasps> and all of you are just aghast and you sort of just stand there as the entire battlefield is just silent and Filippo you just cradle this cute little sloth here is there anything else you want to do on your turn uh let's see mortar is in need of some health at the moment right um he's not bad Probably couldn't withstand another big attack, but he's not bad. Bad. <laughs> well, considering you just took how much you would have taken how much damage last turn, like I would have taken fifty-three. Seven- I took twenty-six or something like that. Okay, I will use my bonus action to activate my ritual of mistletoe, and I will expend one of my sprigs to cast cure wounds at first level. That's a nice way to kind of circumvent the one spell limitation. Yeah. Uh, I am very excited for when I get to have this ritual of mistletoe full time. (laughs) And not just in this weird play slash video game world that you've entered into here. Yes. Fortunately, I get it at sixth level, which should be our next level up. But Mortar, you regain 11 hit points. Woof. Thanks, man. No problem, Bob. Excellent. Okay, now I have to make a crucial decision here. So give me literally 60 seconds to try to wrap my head around something that Ned has totally blindsided me with. While Thomas is looking that up, I'll say Lance Thalen just is like looking at Fleeple, holding this 
strange creature that probably Lance has never seen before in his life. <laughs> Just like, Flavo, what, what happened? What's going on? And while you're doing that, I am using Google to look up how fast 1.5 miles per hour it is. That's 0.22 feet per second. But there's six seconds in a round. <laughs> yeah, times, times six. So yeah, he gets to move about 1.2 feet every round. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Well, I just Googled if my beholder gets polymorphed, do they keep their lair actions? <laughs> There's got to be a subreddit out there. There was. There was a subreddit. And uh, it was determined by the community. So <clears throat> the community has decided that no lair actions are kept when the polymorph beholder goes into another form. And I, I agree with them. I agree with them because the lair is created by the creature itself, but they're physically no longer the creature, even though their intelligence is... And their intelligence isn't even the same either. It, they just have, like, base instinct, so... As this beholder is churned into the sloth, the inky blackness goo that is all over the floor just starts to slowly evaporate into the sky and no longer being difficult terrain. We are, however still in combat so we're gonna jump over to lance you are invisible it is your turn what what's going on what what do we do uh i well we have a few different options we could just get him into a spot where we can all attack right at once and just kill him in one blow possibly we could maybe take him back to Candlekeep with us and give him to some of the higher ups there see if they're interested in doing some experiments you want us to pull a beholder out of a book. Uh, Brick is going to walk up and say, we could take him to a really high cliff and just drop him off. In the book or out of the book? <laughs> I mean, either one, right? Because uh, I don't know. I could smash him with a hammer. Uh, I don't Dropping know him that... off a cliff would do if up I... to a maximum of 20d6 damage, if I recall correctly. What's a d6? It's a... Uh... It's a special... When you're a druid, you'll understand. When? What have you been, do what have you been putting in my food? <laughs> Lance, is there anything you wanted to do on your turn other than no, have this conversation? No, what do? There's nothing to... Oh, we have a okay, suit of okay. armor. Is the suit of armor moving around still? The suit of... Vargan is still engaged with the suit of armor. He's like, have at you, fiend! You won't take me alive! All right, I will then engage with that... I have to defend so that they can defeat the beholder! <laughs> I will engage with that suit of They're armor They're doing then. the best they can! <laughs> I will run over to Mortar's side, so I'm kind of within shot of this thing, and I'll put away my dagger and short sword and whip out the short bow, and I will shoot her. I will shoot at it. I'm picturing that meme with the suit of armor and, you know, the, then the arrow going right into, like, the eye slot. I'm hoping that happens here. <laughs> Go ahead and roll with advantage then, Lance, because you are invisible. Oh, yeah, that's right. I am invisible. That's true. All right, cool. Sweet, 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 sweet. sweet. Oh, yeah. Oh, cool, yeah. Oh, yeah, a little that's feature, a cool. little, little bonus feature. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Natural 20. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> All of your sneak attack is doubled. All right. Yeah, let's see holy, how high you can get with level crap. 10 rogue. So That's 10d6. Actually, maybe not level 10 rogue, because I don't know what levels you took in. I'm more of a druid than Fleeple is now. <laughs> oh, my gosh. As Fleeple's full druid. I technically only know what Mickey took. Because you demanded that, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Because I'm a cruel DM. Well, after this, Vargan's going to go because... Well, technically, Renacor is going to try and go, but D&D uh, 5e stats for a sloth. That is 46 damage. Ooh. Lance, it might not be surprising, but tell us how it is done. Well, I'm going to go with, with the inspiration from a man brick over here, and it's just going to be a shot through the eye hole right there of that armor. There you go. And as you, uh, as you see Vargan just spouting these words of like, they came after me. You won't have them. I'm going to save them from you. And just these like heroic 
deeds, these heroic feats, this these insults, these curses that he's throwing at this animated suit of armor, all of a sudden through the eye hole, this armor gets this arrow directly through, all the way through, and the armor just shivers and shakes, and it starts to pulse with this blue arcane energy that was holding it together until finally it just shudders, shudders, and then falls, clatters to the ground, defeated. In the words of the dragons, booyah. <laughs> I love how that's canon now. I will, actually, I have movement and bonus action. I will then scream to everybody, I'll be right back. And I'm going to run and grab another one of those peppers. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yes! <laughs> I can grab all of them, man. That's I will really see how many there are. Thomas did say there are multiple. Stab I'm going to leave that up to the... What are you doing? What? <laughs> what are you talking about? Stab Vargas. That's the whole goal. I know, but that boulder's going to come back at Stab some point, him. and I can have, like, I can shove ten peppers in that dude's mouth. <laughs> we just didn't get out of the book. Stab him. While, while Lance goes, and runs away, uh, Fleeple, you, you feel this very loving caress directly on your face as the three claws of the sloth just gently, like, you can tell that they're trying to get into your cheek, but they're just not sharp enough. And you're like, oh, what a darling. And just, you, like, pet its head. You'd be so adorable if you weren't actively trying to harm me. Yeah, that's its turn. So, uh... Every six seconds or so, maybe a little bit less, I'm going to keep rolling to see if uh, they do any damage here. That was honestly his turn, just patting Fleeple's cheek. <laughs> he rolled an attack and he didn't get high enough. Points of clarification, do, do Fleeple still has the dagger, correct, to stab in the heart? N no, you, have, you the have the dagger. When did I get that again? Sorry. I handed it to you because I was... Oh, I was losing my courage. About having a heart attack and stuff. <laughs> and then you turned invisible whatever. and ran away. Yes. yes. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> so we'll loosely be we'll we'll loosely be in uh, order of operations here in our combat encounter. But let's go ahead and play it a little bit loosey goosey here because there's no immediate threat because a sloth is not an immediate threat. So what would everybody like to do? Lance ran off and got some of those, is getting those peppers currently. You'll be back shortly. I would like to go to Vargas and not let him out of my sight. We've already, he could disappear. We don't know what his intentions are. He could turn hostile, whatever. So Mal is going to go and just be absurdly close to Vargas until Lance reappears. And I, I assume you mean Vargan, Vargan Quill, but yes. Mal, out of instinct, you just turn on your Eldritch Invocation, almost like it's being turned on for you, and you have Detect Magic in this sonar around you. And before you get to Vargan, you hesitate because you feel new pings. You feel new things in this room that are magical that you didn't ga gather before, whether it was the heat of the battle, whether it was... You just didn't have time. I mean, you didn't enter the ballroom to begin with, so this is technically a new room for you. And you notice that there are a few items in this room that appear to be magical in nature. Of, and of course, the sloth that uh, Fleeple's currently holding. Whereabouts in the room are those pings coming from? So on the north portion of the ballroom, Right next to Vargan's massive portrait where he was trapped, you see this crossbow-like weapon, but it's not a full crossbow. It looks like it has some sort of other mechanical design, but it's crossbow enough for you to know. It's probably some sort of ranged type of a weapon here. And then on the south wall, directly across from the painting of Vargas, you see this very very beautiful gold longsword. And those seem to be the magical um, pieces that you gather. I stop in place, skirt like on my heel, and turn around and look directly at where those pings are coming from. And I will start marching back across the room. And as I pass brick and mortar, I will say, go grab Vargas, make sure he doesn't run off anywhere and I will go and investigate those objects. 
See, magical things are persuasive. Can veer you off course sometimes, Malamala. And Mickey, we'll say on your next turn, you'll get to the the crossbow-looking one in particular. But anything else, again, we are kind of loose here. So if you have an idea, don't feel afraid to shout it out. And just let me know what you'd like to do. I'll go do that right away and go uh, take Vargan firmly by the upper arm. And I'll follow behind him and just kind of like reiterate anything he says to him while just muttering, We are helping you. We are helping you. We are helping you. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. It's exactly what helpful people say constantly. We are helping you. That's how mortar kills people. We are helping you. You're being rescued. Please do not resist. (laughs) (laughs) What's that from again? Rogue One. Ah, yes, yes. So as you both approach Vargan, I need you both to make a persuasion check, actually. Oh, no. Because he has never seen you before in his life, other than in this battle. And he is not a trusting character to begin with. Oh, no. Heather. Uh, it was a natural one. Oh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Plus five. So, it's a six. We are helping you. I also got a six. But uh, I will say, I will say Mal just said to grab him. And I was planning on going in and taking him firmly but if he's going to try to get away, I'm going to tackle that bad boy. Uh, he is definitely going to try and uh, t- get away. He's like, who are you? Who are you? Why are you here? No, get away. Uh, and so he's going to try and uh, bolt. So you can try and grapple him. You don't have to. We'll just do an athletics check here for you. And he'll try to escape with a acrobatics check here. But Mortar, you can give advantage or assist if you'd like. Since... Me and my brother are on such the same wavelength all the time. I'm going to see what he's trying to do. And I'm just going to, like, tabletop right behind Vargan. So if there's a tackle, they're going over my back. Oh, okay. Very good. Okay, so uh, we'll say uh, Brick, go and roll with uh, advantage. All right. So how how does he fare against a 28? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> He rolled pretty good. Not that good. I don't know if it's good enough, though. I do have the grappler feet. Oh, is that what gives you more uh, oomph? Uh-huh. Yeah, he only got a 22. So he's grappled, yo. And we'll save you for flavor uh, with you helping Mortar. Uh, he goes, no, what are you doing? Get away from me. Uh, Brick, you just... And you just, since you're smaller than him being a dwarf and he's a human, you you basically grab his waist and jump up with him. And as you do, you both tumble over Mortar's back that he had set up perfectly. And you just, as you get him on the ground, this is your home. This is where you live when it comes to wrestling and grappling. And so you just kind of like twist his arm, put his knee into his back, and just, uh, you've started the process. He's not restrained, but he is not able to move currently. So that's great. Okay, I can use my action to try to pin a creature that I have grappled. I believe that's going to be on your next turn. Okay, So let's go. We'll we'll get it from there. And I forgot. Somebody brought up inspiration. Flaple, take an inspiration dive. Because that was creative as all. Yeah. Thank you kindly. Speaking of which, the sloth tries to cut, like, one of your backpacks off with his with his sharp claws, but they're just dull. That's his attack for the round. Okay, and Ren, uh, Vargan just, unhand me, unhand me, quick, Malamara, get these creatures off me, get them off of me. And he's just struggling, struggling. Lance, at this point, you've gotten the peppers and you've come back. How many? <laughs> a whole plate. I mean. <laughs> Give me a number. Let's say 12. Holy. <laughs> <laughs> It was a banquet after all. So uh, at this point, uh, Malamar, you said you wanted to go investigate the crossbow. And as you go over to the crossbow, you just, uh, do you touch it or are you just uh, viewing it? Uh, I'm sure I would have picked it up and tried to look at it unless my Eldridge sight pinged for something like, is it evocation that usually explodes? (laughs) 
Excellent. So trying to discern the school of magic from it, I would say it's more of a... Gosh, trying to think. There's transmutation. I would say it's more oddly transmutation. Maybe not traditionally, because as you go and you pick it up, it doesn't seem uh, malicious at all. And in fact, it looks like the it looks like that the end of it has a sharp point, uh, which looks like it should be a crossbow, but that crossbow is attached to a very long wound rope in the back. And so, from what you can tell, it's very light incredibly light um and so it doesn't look like there's much rope in there but as to its purpose you're unsure it just doesn't seem to be malicious so i want to place it back in its spot and look at the great sword long sword long sword okay yep long sword so as you go back to the long sword this is just about the time that brick you can make another athletics check to try and pin down fully Vargan here. Uh, He is going to try and escape before you do that, though, because he is feeling like you're very hostile to him for whatever reason. So you can roll an athletics check here to see if he breaks out. So we'll just kind of be doing some of these rolls here. He got a 12 to try and escape. I got a 23. Yep, nothing right there. So if you want to try to attempt to pin him down, go ahead and roll it to try and restrain him completely on the ground. That's a 22. Yep, got an 18. So he is fully restrained and pinned to the ground. Your very strong dwarven body just covering him. And he just is saying, if you don't get off me, I'm going to have to unleash my magic upon you. So just hand off. Morty, come put a sock in it for me, will ya? With his brother telling him that, Mortar's gonna come over and he's gonna pass him out. You're gonna knock him out? Yeah, he's gonna like, you know how you, I did it with my siblings. I don't know if you guys ever did, but where you put the arm around their neck and just choke them out. (laughs) Well, I didn't do it. My siblings did it to me, I should say. No, you can't change the story now. (laughs) Okay. This is going to be an attack roll. He is restrained, so you get it with advantage. I mean, that's the what you're you are attacking him technically, and uh, or or rather, no, rather, uh, sorry, sorry. Let me let me go back. You're not you're not smacking him. You're trying to choke him out. I'm gonna make it so a medicine. So I'm just check. doing the thing where you put you know your elbow around their around neck, the neck and yep. just and you just you out. cut off their circulation <laughs> and you know they just, pass out. That's it. So it's let's have nice. you do a medicine check for that. Oh gosh, um, because you'll need to know. How hard to do that to not permanently harm him, but... Luckily, I got an 18. 18? Yeah, so you've started the process of that. It doesn't happen immediately, obviously. And uh, I'll just roll to see how many rounds I think it should take here with an 18. As he's doing it, I'm like, Oh, uh, Morty, I meant you could literally just shove a sock in his mouth for him, but oh, all right, yeah, that, I mean, that works. Oh, sorry, brother. Sounds good. Uh, Lance, you're here with the peppers. And Fleeple, are you just... Fleeple, are you just stroking the sloth? I'm not, like, actively doing anything with the sloth. I'm kind of just holding it so it doesn't go anywhere. But I don't really want to be affectionate to it. Okay, so you're like, you're evil. You are very clearly evil. We're You are not friends. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Because it is. So, another... He tries to get right into your belly with his claws, but it, the scales just block him, so. So, observing the weirdness of what's happening with brick and mortar and Fleeple holding this sloth, I just walk up behind Malamara now, and I'm just go, what you, what you doing there? <laughs> and uh, Mal, you've just gotten to the longsword, and so you uh, pick this one up as well? Yes. Okay, sounds good. Um, we will. This one actually gives a divination magic off of it. And as you pick it up, this long sword is pure gold, pure gold. And the um, the handle itself um, that you would hold, and you kind of like heft the sword. It's balanced perfectly. As uh, Lance is like, "What are you doing there?" You kind of whip it in the air, and Lance really close to your face because you're still invisible. But the thing that's odd about this is that there are five holes directly into the blade itself. And you think, you're like, well, that's poor. Like, that's poor craftsmanship. Why would it do that? Um, But there is an inscription on one side and the other side um, along the blade. Does anybody here speak celestial? I could have, but I took up orc. (laughs) I took primordial and sylvan. (laughs) So 
this text, although you can't read it, it just is a very good blade and you feel like it would actually do you pretty well in battle. Uh, as to exactly what it is or exactly what it does, you're unsure unless you have a identify spell. I do not currently. So I'll take the blade while I'm examining it in my hands. I will point to the other ranged. Ow, that's my eye. Ow. Well, will you move right there. Do you see that? Go check it out. It's a ra- yes, something see, range. Yeah. It's oh, I, listen. I can see half of it now. It's magic. Go check it out. Wait, 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 before you move. Wait, uh, before you move. What? Give me the dagger. Where's that dagger that uh, what's his face gave us? Where is it? It's it's in uh, give it. a pocket. Give it. Why? I just give it to me and I'll I'll show you. I'm really good I'm really good with daggers. Can I have the dagger, please? Give me the dagger. Since you since you asked politely, I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> now go look at that thing. It's magical. See if it's something that you can use. Go look at the thing. It's magical. That's right on the us. wall. Okay. It's it it pings for magic. It looks like something ranged. You have ranged. You're uh, what I would call maybe proficient in things that are ranged, at least with that bow. So I thought maybe you find that interesting. All right, Brick. Let's roll one more grapple check to see if he tries to break out of being restrained here. So it's just going to be an athletics check for you, Brick. Yep, that's a 30. 30? Yep, 3-0. Yeah, I've got Three a plus 11. Flipping zero. Yeah, natural 19 plus 11. <sighs> well, it beats my 18. Don't mess with my brother. Well, right at this time, uh, <laughs> Varkin is just being choked out. And he goes, you will rule the day that you crossed Varkin and... And just his eyes go into the back of his head, and he's like, I rolled two rounds, and so this is the end of the second round. He is passed out right now. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) All right, that was efficient, Morty. Good job there. You're welcome, brother. (laughs) I was getting tired of his slack jaw. Man, having these guys around to be the hatchetman is pretty nice, actually. (laughs) (laughs) It's like dumb and dumber with strength. (laughs) <laughs> bad constable, bad constable over here. Right. Yeah. Fleeple, Renacor rolled a natural 20 on his attack against you. So, okay. you're going to take two points of piercing damage, but you have to roll a concentration check to see if you maintain polymorph. That is correct. Thankfully, he does have luck and inspiration. Which I don't need because I rolled a 16. Yep, that's fine. Just has to be above 10. You know, I appreciate the tenacity, Thomas. (laughs) I'm trying. I'm trying. This beholder will not give up. Will not give up. Sloth or no? I will not go gentle into that night. So the five minstrels have started putting their instruments away, not knowing what to do on the stage. And they're just like grumbling like, well, I guess we're not getting paid, you know? I guess I'll we'll toss them a gold. Go back into the first. Yeah. Oh, okay. That just appeared out of nowhere. Uh, and they go back to Wisteria Vale. For the most part, you have Vargan in front of you. He is completely incapacitated for a few rounds at least. I'm picking up the bow contraption or the crossbow. Great, sounds good. My thought is that you would go to Vargan, but Mal, you've got the dagger. What do you want to do? Seeing that Vargan is incapacitated and brick and mortar clearly have that situation handled, she will go up to Fleeple and say, correct me if I'm wrong, but Leosin said we just need to stab Vargan with this knife and get out of the book. Are you understanding the same thing that I'm understanding? Well, let me rack my brain really quick, just to make sure I've got all the details correct. He was a harper over 200 years ago, he did a good job, he wrought peace, he got poisoned with a curse. We need to stab him in the heart to cure him with this short-bladed, wooden-handled dagger. That's my understanding too, so here's my plan. I say we all gather as close to Vargian as possible, just in case, see if our friends need anything else while we're here, and then we stab him and go home. Any uh, objections to that plan? I think that works for me. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> can I, can, am I, or do I hear this conversation? Because if I don't, then I'm out. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, you're in, all in the ballroom. It wasn't, it wasn't meant to be kept secret from Van- Lance. I just couldn't see Lance to find where he was. Real quick, real quick here. So you're suggesting we stab, we go back, but we're taking the sloth beholder with us. I say I we leave don't... the beholder here. Unless there's any reason for anybody okay. else to get back, it's his domain. Just 
Let him be. Everybody else Let here seems fake book. anyway, yeah. Well, I'm sure that there are probably some wizards in Candlekeep who would go bonkers for some of the body parts of this beholder as, like, ingredients for magical stuff. I'm just not sure that bringing, like, a live beholder through a book... Like, I just... I don't see a lot of... I, I understand the benefits of what you're saying. I also... Like, we don't know what's going to happen once we exit this book. Will you just... Will somehow magic be voided and he'll revert back to his form? Or are they going to like that or not like that? And I always... I've always lived with the motto, and it's burned me when I don't follow it, to not leave enemies behind that can maybe hold grudges. So, as Mortar sees... Mal go over and start conversing. He's actually going to pick up Brick, put him on the baby carrier, <laughs> and pick up Vargan into his arms and walk over to them and just not even picking up signals that they're talking or conversing because he doesn't have great social skills. He's just going to say, We know where a great cliff is here. Oh, good. That's um, helpful. Uh Lance, what were you saying? What what is what is your point? My my point is just I don't. There's a lot of I don't have a point. I'm just worried. I always worry. Brick and mortar. How would you like to go home? Back to the real world. Oh, you should see my garden. Oh, out. Oh. Go home, home. What? Y- you mean you're not all stuck in here with us? We're pretty sure we You've have got- a way out of the book, but we want to know if you guys are ready to go. What? You should have led with that, Glassy. Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) We were kind of rushed. It felt very rushed. It felt like there was a narrative that needed to keep going. And (laughs) Can I take away your inspiration, (laughs) Jacob? I already gave it to Heather. (laughs) We would love to go home. Are we still dropping tiny sloth off of the cliff? It would do an average of 70 damage if we think that's enough to finish off the beholder. I have 12 very hot peppers. What do they do? Because I love me some spicy food. You don't want this spice. <laughs> you really want to try and kill this creature instead of just leaving it here. Clearly it hasn't been no, able to get I, out of this book before. I'm not saying to kill it. I'm not saying to kill it. I'm just saying, like, I don't... I trust Fleeple. I trust Fleeple. So let's do it. Um, at this point, Vargan is just kind of... Banish all of you from... Mysteria Vale. <laughs> My last question is, do we do we want to look at anything else in this house? Or are we ready to get out of here? Because I'm sure, and she'll gesture to brick and mortar. I'm sure you guys don't know what's in this house. You've never been in here either. Do we need to check anything else out? Or are we... Are you feeling anything else? Not with where I'm standing, but my eyes can only see so far. I can't ping what I can't see. Longer we stay more variables come into play. Agreed. So we, we got some Vargan. good stuff. Let's Vargan go. goes, huh, No! Oh, disgusting creature! Oh, mortar! <laughs> okay, we better, we better do it this. People, you want to stay or go right now? While they're deliberating, I just try and grab the dagger and stab him in the heart. Sounds good. While holding the sloth? Yeah. As this is going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, Fleeple... You take the job that you had put upon yourself originally. You grab the dagger and right into Vargan's heart, straight through the heart. And you're to blame. You give the Harpers a bad name. (laughs) Vargan goes, as the dagger goes straight through his heart directly. And he wakes up and goes, and his hands grasp around the dagger itself. And he just whispers, you. You betrayed you. I, I prepared reincarnate just in case. Don't worry. We're helping you. <laughs> and as he starts to say betrayed, he goes and he starts to cough. And you think blood would come up, but actually, smoke starts billowing out. He starts coughing up smoke. And as you look down at the wound, his his garb was very very fine and your dagger pierced through that. But now as you're looking at the white shirt that he was wearing, directly around the wound, smoke is leaking out and is actually partially staining his cloth. And you can hear some wails and some moans come from the smoke itself. And as all of you back away from the smoke, um, not wanting to be near it, uh, Vargan, he just... 
it just keeps coughing up the smoke violently until one final time he just his back arches in the air his head and body still on the ground the smoke just seems to be expelled from his throat and this last one seems to be himself expelling the smoke from his body and as the smoke is just released he and as the the final bit of smoke is released he rips the dagger out of his heart and just chucks it across the floor as he just <sighs> goes onto his side and starts panting. Uh, the smoke is shrieking, yelling, screaming in the air, but doesn't attack any of you. It doesn't come after you. In fact, it wants to release itself. It goes to the windows and it's trying to get out this entire time. And then finally, the entire smoke monster, if you will, just bashes against one of the windows and shatters it and escapes off into the forest. And Vargan, on his side, holding his chest, miraculously no blood. He just, see, he looks at his hand and no, he looks at his hand and no blood has come out and just (sighs) as his breathing slows, he looks at all of you and you hadn't seen this from him, him being very untrusting. But despite his face being marred with that scar, his face breaks out into a massive smile and tears well up in his eyes and he goes, I'm, I'm finally free. Finally free. At this point, you hear a familiar soft music playing. No, oh, no. Let's go, let's get out of here. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go down. <laughs> oh, no. From outside of this building, the sloth still trying to pierce your skin, but not able to give purchase. It's kind of given up at this point. And this building actually, in one instant, disappears from around you. And you find yourself in the field, in a nice, soft, lush grass field. And the person playing the lute, which you all know to be Terry Ann, is just strolling upwards. But where previously he had been pompous, and previously he had been all dashing, he's very calm and he's very um, deliberate with each of his steps. And he's a little bit far away as he starts to speak, but he, you can hear it nonetheless. And he doesn't speak in, he doesn't sing, he's just speaking with a very broad smile. So, Brick, he goes to you first, and he goes, (laughs) If we shadows have offended, think about this, and all is mended. He turns to Mortar, That you have but slumbered here, while these visions did appear. And he goes, he turns to all of you. And this weak and idle theme, no more yielding but a dream. Gentles, do not reprehend. If you pardon... We will mend. And he just has this pregnant pause as all of you are just staring at him with whatever expression on your face. Well, back to the real world for you. And all of you disappear from this book. With the exception of one of you. Fleeple. <gasps> no. What? After Terry Ann claps, his demeanor changes further. And he's only about 10 feet from you. And he puts his loot away. And he takes out a pipe. And he's just staring at you. The sloth also glancing at Terry and also seeing that you and him are here. And Terry Ann says to you, sort of like stroking his chin, Tell me, Tiathar, why are you different from others of your kind? I, uh, I happened upon a... A paladin of the Platinum Dragon, one who stood for everything that I was taught not to stand for, and I saw him laid low by the evils of the other spawn of Tiamat, and I I just want to be a I just want to be a better person than what I was born to be. Yes, yes. One stumbling upon someone who's so injured, one might take advantage of them and rob them, steal from them. Kill them for a nice meal, 
maybe for some renown with other Tiathar, but you, how did you change your nature? I, uh, well, it was, I suppose it was when I was a child and I decided to have mercy on, and I, and I reach up and I kind of stroke the fleece and I say, when I decided to have mercy instead of following my hunger. Tyrion is nodding very slowly as he's continually like stroking his chin, scratching his cheek, staring at you intently. I want you to roll me a persuasion check, Fleeple. Persuasion, you say? That is a 17. Okay. I've got one more luck point and I won't have a chance to use it after this, so might as well burn it. Uh, that was only an 11, so we'll stick with the 17. Tarion slowly approaches you and crouches down in a squatting position. And as you look up into his face, his face sort of goes from like ponderous to a little bit of a smirk, just ever so slightly, a little smirk on his lips. And he goes, well, I'll have to keep my eye on you in the future then. And he takes one finger and places it on your nose. Till the next time we meet, young Flebo. And he turns around. And you don't disappear as fast as the others did, but you do start to feel yourself disappearing from Wisteria Vale. The surroundings seem to be shrinking down. And right before you wink out of existence from Wisteria Vale, you see Tarian turn to the side and whistle. And immediately you hear a bird response and some yellow canaries just seem to fly over and respond to him before your vision disappears. A pipe and yellow canaries, you say. This is one of those moments where Ned definitely knows something that Fleeple would have no way whatsoever of knowing. <laughs> and that's what's so delicious and exciting. So, back in Candlekeep. If you recall, the room that you left was not too large. In fact, it was kind of cramped with just three of you, or it was just barely enough for the three of you to read this book, Wisteria Vale. As Tarion had clapped you back out of Wisteria Vale, all five of you <laughs> clamor into this room, and actually the six of you, because Vargan Quill is there, followed by Fleeple shortly thereafter. Um, to you, it was but three seconds so not enough to be very noticeable but all seven of you in this room are very crammed and shoulder to shoulder very like oh oh gosh and uh, the the pedestal in which the book was housed is that it just shatters under mortar's weight <laughs> and uh brick is on the back of mortar getting pushed behind like into the back stone wall of this little sitting room area it's very tight and uh if anybody were claustrophobic, they would be reacting very negatively to this space and situation. Wait, you said all seven of you? Is the sloth Correct. still in his hand? The sloth is still in Fleeple's hands as he looks down. Um, he sees the sloth, so eight of you, I guess, but the sloth is just being cradled, held by Fleeple right now. And as you make the quite a noise and there's like... You know, like elbows are in people's ribs, people's faces are getting accidentally pushed by other people, and like there's a quite a commotion. The door opens up, and a very familiar figure, Leosin, uh, is there and wide eyed sees all seven slash eight of you and goes, Oh my, oh my, quick, come on, come on, come out. That's much, much too small, too small of a space for all of you. Come, 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 come. I hate bods so much. I hate bods so much. Um, uh, quick, quick, quick. And so he has all of you come out, and as uh, Brick and Mortar, you come out and goes, uh, stares uh, awkwardly. This this monk is uh, staring at you uh, with shaved head and these robes. And you find, as you walk into this hallway, Brick and Mortar, you're in a library. Not where you were before you got to Wisteria Vale. This is not where either of you were. All right, tell me who moved my book. <laughs> Um, uh, uh, this is, uh, you You came out with more than uh, what we had anticipated there, um, Hammers. Uh, and at this point, a woman clears her throat and comes from around the corner. None of you have seen this woman before, but she carries herself with an air of importance, and she is very tall and a very beautiful woman. 
as you look at her face, you can tell she has a very kind demeanor. And this is an elf uh, who has very flowing black hair. Now, in her hair, she has a very ornate, flowing, elegant circlet that looks to be of elven make from her race. And the silverwork is contrasted beautifully with very fine and precious chains that delicately hold back her beautiful locks of hair and is softly wrapped around her long, pointed ears as well. Directly on her forehead, you see a tiny little medallion dangling from her circlet. And as she steps closer and closer to you, Fleeple, with your passive perception, not being as high as it was once just seconds ago, you still notice that there's the symbol of the harpers on that symbol, uh, on this medallion as well, with the harp itself in the very stylized form that Leosin had shown you previously. Her beautiful demeanor continues to show not only from the long sky blue silk dress that she wears, but by that gentle, kind smile that she gives all of you as you stand up and bring yourself to attention as she's approaching you. Brick is staring, slack-jawed, open-mouthed. This is the first beautiful woman he's seen in 200 years. And she greets your slack-jawed face with a smile, and she just kind of laughs to herself. (laughs) Well... The adventurers have returned as she outstretches her arms towards all of you. She goes, welcome back all to the world of the living. I, and her face gets a little concerned. I assume the mission was a success. And as you look around, you notice that there is one individual who is not immediately by you. And mortar and brick, you turn around and you see Varg and Quill facing the other direction, actually, hiding behind you and he's breathing to himself (sighs) stealing himself before finally he takes a he takes a final long breath (sighs) and he turns around and he goes to the front of all of you hello Rilia it's been quite some time hasn't it and as this woman looks at Varg and Quill her eyes start to water as she moves slowly towards him and her hand comes up to his face and traces the scar down his cheek. Yes, it's been too long, my love. Too long. You see Brick kind of make a little dang it motion, like <laughs> down <laughs> under anybody's eye level. Really, uh, I, I was not in my right mind, but there's no excuse for my actions. There's no excuse for me pushing you away, for damaging the order that way. Shh, shh, shh. Wagen. Nobody blames you. Plus, it's been 200 years, and we've been able to repair most of that damage as well. In fact, all of that damage. <laughs> Relia looks to each one of you. Thank you for bringing the love of my life back into this world, for curing him of his illness. And under the folds of her silk dress, she pulls out this gigantic pouch, just clinging with coin. And she goes, I believe this belongs to all of you. And Brick, you being the one that gave her eyes, she goes over to you and uh, gives you the bag. And as she drops it in your hand, the bag falls through your hand and falls to the ground. And you look at your hands and they actually are fading. They're fading out. Out. They're disappearing. What? You look over to Mortar and Mortar, you two, your hands are fading away. Both of you look at each other and you're fading away from uh, Fleeple, Lance, Mal, everybody else is here, but for some reason your forms start to disappear and are disappearing away. Brick, what, what is happening to us? I, I grab Mortar in the biggest bear hug I can muster and pull him close and I said, it's okay, brother. We'll be together. You stay with me, all right? Mortar looks at Breck right into his eyes with fear brimming from them. And you can see a seed of trust just overflowing and overcoming that fear as he looks deeper into Breck's soul and says, Forever, brother. And before any anybody else can really react both of their forms just they're just gone 
as you hear echo in the hallways. Brick. It's okay, brother. We'll be together forever. Brick and mortar are gone. The coin for your reward clattered onto the ground. But loved ones reunited, as was your initial mission. And a bittersweet moment as your two allies have just vanished before your very eyes. There is where we'll end this week's episode of I Cast Fireball. I was wondering if we were going to have to split the prize money with brick and mortar, but I guess we don't have to worry I was about that. I was about to get, Lance was about to get real pissed that mortar's going to take money. I, know, I saw Lance's eyes like, oh no, they didn't. <laughs> Shoot. Dang, that was good. Uh, so it sounds like uh, the hammer's like, oh no, they disappeared. Oh my god. Oh, darn it. I guess, well, I guess we get this 5,000 gold. Somebody else is going to the nine rel- realms of hell. It's not Malamara. <laughs> oh gosh. Uh, thank you, Caleb, though. That was really fun. And the sloth sheds a single tear. <laughs> Thomas, I do have a question. Who's the eighth person? It was Renacor, the Beholder. So we've got Fleeple, Lance, Malamara, Brick, Mortar, Vargan, and the Sloth. That's only seven. Oh, Who's the eighth? I was counting myself. always with us. That's why I was like... The weird geek in, in the I said, robe. you said seven. Does that mean the Beholder's there? And then you're like, oh, it's eight. I was like, who else snuck out? <laughs> no, guys, I'm sorry about that. Guys, you gotta remember, we don't talk about the geeky man. <laughs> That's yeah. right. Mention the geeky man in the corner. <laughs> I'm rolling my dice. Ooh, 19. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Well... I would just like to thank Heather and Caleb for joining us for these past four episodes. It's been such a fun adventure here. Such a fun time together. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. Brick and mortar to life. That was a ride, man. Thanks. (laughs) Such a delight. Such a delight. Heather, Caleb, thank you again so much for joining us this week. And listeners, thank you for joining us on this week's episode of iCast Fireball. We hope you've enjoyed this little, these guest appearance episodes that we've had as much as we've enjoyed playing. It's been very fun to get some uh, new dynamics, to get some left turns from our druid over there using some high level spells and from everybody else using the popped peppers and detect magic going about seeing the fun things that there were to discover in Wisteria Vale. But from wherever you get your podcast from, please leave us a review. It helps boost our ratings throughout each podcast service, puts us in other people's recommended feeds, and it lets us know that you like what we're doing. Just wanted to give a shout out to Sir Urquhart, who left us a review on Apple Podcasts. They said that they found our podcast a gripping story with compelling and lovable characters with just the right balance of serious epic fantasy and goofy fun times. On top of that, and this is a shout out to our editor, Mickey, the editing is clearly professional level. And then to top it off, they mentioned it's everything they hoped in a D&D podcast, but never dared to expect. Sir Urquhart, wow. Thank you so much for the thoughtful words and for the review. And we're just grateful that you're enjoying our goofy time here at the table. And we hope that we can keep to deliver on that promise. And thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, if you want to write something a little bit longer than a review, you could also shoot us an email at iCastFireball2020 at gmail.com. And of course, as always, we would love to hear from you. And we're hoping to get the word out there and set this podcast on fire. Now, to get the most recent up-to-date content from all of us here, follow us on Instagram and Twitter with the candle iCastFireball20. There you can get possible sneak peeks of upcoming episodes, insights from the players and Dungeon Master, including maybe who was Terrianne actually, and why were some of their motifs so important, and behind-the-seats shots of us making this incredibly fun world. As always, want to give a quick shout-out to our sister podcast, Improv Tabletop, where we actually borrowed Caleb and Heather from, them being players on Improv Tabletop, where they run through many one-month adventures using the Fate Accelerated Tabletop system, where our cobalt here, Ned, 
takes a turn as the Game Master. Uh, they also have an ongoing Avatar Legends campaign that you can check out that I highly recommend. I played through the system just fairly recently. It's a ton of fun. Um, and I recommend everybody going to give it a shout out, give it a listen and blast it off to the world. Lastly, don't forget to like, subscribe and share with all your friends and fellow wacky adventurers. But until next time, I'm Thomas, your DM. And around the table, we have Malamara, Lance Thalen, Fleeple, and Brick. Let's keep that fire going and we'll see you all next time. <laughs>